As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to read this same verse, these same verses, from the New Living Translation. Uh, it gives a little bit of a modern wording to the verse, and so I think it's beneficial to read it again just in that context. First Peter 4, 10, New Living Translation. God has each given you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Wow, speak with a loud microphone. Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring God glory through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Ask God to speak to us through his word. Jesus, we thank you for your word and pray for a spirit of revelation that you give us fresh understanding, that we would see it exactly how you want us to see it, and that you would illuminate our hearts, help us to receive from your words and your word this morning exactly what you have for us today, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning, God bless you for coming, for being here, we want to welcome all of you here into the house of God. If you're joining us online, we welcome you, and if you're joining us for the first time this morning, we want to welcome you, direct you to visit with us again, and let the Lord minister through you to you through this church and the ministry here. The servant, the, the scripture that we read just now uh, has an interesting word in it that I wanted to highlight. And that's kind of the reason I read the two different versions to you this morning. Um, and, and that word is manifold. It's not really a word I tend to use on a regular basis. Um, and so I, I thought it'd be good to, to look it up and kind of see what it's all about. The word manifold in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, the Bible calls it the that we are stewards of the manifold grace of God. And uh, when I read that, I, I see two things. Number one, that God is calling us stewards. Again, not a word I use on a daily basis. Uh, a steward is someone who is entrusted with something that doesn't belong to them. It, they're, they're given it on a, uh, not so much a loan basis, but on the basis of using it as the owner of that particular thing intends it to be used. Uh, they're a manager, if you will. They, they manage, or uh, for example, a bank is the steward of your finances, right? You give them money and the bank invests that money as they see fit to, to, to grow the investment, to, to manage the money that you've entrusted to them, hopefully so that that money will increase in value. It'll grow in its worth and uh, in turn it'll come back to you in some day. That, that is what a steward is. Uh, a steward, you might uh, think of a plane, someone who's on a plane. And so a steward is also a servant. 
because they serve others. They care for, take care of those that are entrusted to them. And so when the Bible calls us stewards, it's letting us know that God has, number one, given us something that doesn't belong to us. God has blessed us with something that, that isn't ours outright, but he has given it to us on, a, on the basis of that we use it and the way that he intended us to use it and that we would turn it into something of greater value in the future. And we see here that the Bible says that we are stewards of the manifold grace of God. The word manifold uh, is an interesting word. It means multicolored or uh, varied, uh, variegated. And for those of you that are plant lovers, you might know the name. If you've heard that that terminology, variegated, it's uh, usually used when uh, you see the hostas uh, in the spring, the summer, and they have two different colors of green on the leaf, right? A light green and a dark green in the same leaf. That's called variegated. It has variety. It's two colors. It's It's got a beauty to it in its variegated form. And so the Bible is using this interesting word of varied, variegated, diverse, and multicolored to talk about the grace of God. God's grace has multiple sides to it. Think of a diamond. A diamond is so beautiful when it goes to the jeweler and the jeweler cuts that diamond into multiple different shapes. It, 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 it cuts that diamond to the point where light can be reflected and refracted off of that diamond, making it more beautiful and making it more illustrious than it was before. It's now multi-sided or it's varied and it's diverse and beautiful. And so God's grace like that, like that multicolored flower that has multiple shades of different colors in it, so is the grace of God. The grace of God is not one-sided, but it's multi-sided. It's multicolored. It's varied. It's it's diverse in its application. It's, it's all throughout the scripture. We see it so many times. And we must come to grips that what God has given to us is something so beautiful that he never intended for us to keep it for ourselves. When God gives a good gift, he always gives it with the intention and with the, 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 the uh, idea that we will in turn give that gift to somebody else as well. That we become, yes, recipients of the grace of God. We become those who have received the blessings from God, but we then take that same blessing that has been freely given to us and we freely give it to others, becoming just like God ourselves. James chapter 1 verse 17 says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So while God's gifts are varied, beautiful, God himself is constant and consistent. The Bible says there's no shadow. God doesn't cast a shadow. God does not cast a shadow because he does not turn away. He does not turn or change. He remains constant 
and the same. Unlike us, who change over time, we have the, the ability, the capacity, and the, the tendency to change our opinions. We have the tendency to change our perspective on things, and thank God for that. I mean, if you didn't change from the time you were a baby until now, it would be kind of an interesting situation, right? Amen, amen. If you only ate the food that you wanted to eat as a child, you might find yourself a little bit on the unhealthy side today. No kid really, I haven't really met a kid that inherently likes broccoli. There might be a few out there. But eventually you develop a taste for those things, hopefully, over time. Good exposure, et cetera, et cetera. Because your taste buds change. And you might be sitting there saying, not me. Still don't like it. Still don't like it. But you might eat it. Because why? As an adult, you know, I, I don't like it, but I'll smother it with cheese and salt, and that, that's how I get it down, because I know inside that green tree is something good for my body. I've got to put it in there somehow. And, and we, so we change. We change all the time. We change our uh, perspectives, our opinions. I've heard people say, you know, if you would have told me uh, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, this is what I'd be doing, and this is what I'd be uh, thinking, and this is how I'd be living, I would have laughed at you, because I would have thought there's no way. But you changed. Amen. And God helped to change you. Thank God he's helped to change some of us. Where would we be without him? We change. But he does not change. So everything he gives is good. Amen. Every gift Hallelujah. he gives Hallelujah. is good. The Bible gives us a lot of different gifts. Tells us about a lot of gifts that God gives. One is the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. The Holy Ghost is a gift. It's the gift of his spirit that lives on the inside of you and transforms you. If you think about it one way, baptism is what covers your past. It covers your past sins, your mistakes, your errors. But the Holy Ghost, when God gives you that gift of the Holy Spirit, it's the thing that comes on the inside. And while you're under the cover of his blood, he changes you from the inside out. He changes you. And so you emerge out of that covering a different person, not just from the outside, it's not skin deep. It's, it's heart deep. He transforms the heart. When you receive the gift of the Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. Amen. I love that God doesn't expect you to have all the truth lined up and knocked down before you get baptized. Praise God. If that was the case, we'd never, none of us would be good enough to get baptized. None of us would be worthy enough for, for forgiveness or repentance God accepts us on the point that we are and then gives us a gift that transforms us from the inside out. Repentance is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift to be able to turn away from a destructive path and go a different road. It's a gift to be able to, to turn away from a bad, bad way of life and turn towards a good way of life. The Bible calls eternal life as a gift. It's the gift of God. He gives us eternal life. The Bible calls righteousness a gift. What is righteousness? Righteousness means you're standing before God in the right place. Amen. And God has now covered you so much that he no longer sees your sin. He no longer sees your mistakes, but he sees you covered in goodness and holiness and righteousness before him. And the Bible says that is a gift. A gift is something you do not earn. You do not pay for. Somebody has paid for it already. Somebody has 
pre-wrapped it. Someone has taken the time to think of you and, and know you and know what you need and gives you that gift. Grace is a gift. God gives us other kinds of gifts. The Bible calls them the gifts of the Spirit. Things like prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, discerning of spirits, healing. Healing is a gift. God can give healing. God can give restoration. These things are gifts that come from God. But as I said before, when God gives a gift, he makes us a steward of that gift. And while we may receive of its benefits, God expects us to turn that gift around and use it for somebody else. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, Jesus teaches a very powerful concept in this parable. Matthew 25, 14, the Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. He gave unto, unto one he gave five talents. Everyone say five talents. Five talents. To another he gave two, and to another he gave one. To every man according to his several ability. Right. God saw Jesus is teaching this parable, and, and I kind of spoiled it for you, but the, the master in the parable is God, okay? <laughs> and he gives his servants five gifts, two gifts, one gift. The Bible calls them talents. Now, this is not talent as in you can play a musical instrument, you can paint like Picasso or Rembrandt, or you are you know, really good at numbers, you can just fire them off the top of your head. This is not what uh, the Bible's talking about with the talent. The word talent there is a large sum of money. In fact, a talent was equivalent to a year's worth of wages. So think of all the money that you earn in a year, and that is what the Bible refers to as a talent. It's a large sum of money. And so the master of his house looks at his servants and he says, this one here has the skill to manage five years worth of money all at once. He's proven his ability to manage the funds and to invest them wisely and use them. And, 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 and the master's intention was, I'm, I'm giving you this money so you can manage it and perhaps double it or, or, or increase it or something along those lines. I, I'm allowing you to use this, not for your own benefit, but as a steward of my resources. And he gives to the other servant two talents, two years worth of wages. And then he gives to the third servant one year's worth of wages. Jesus continues the parable. And he said that he that received the five talents went and traded with the same. He traded with the same amount of money and made them other five talents. So help me out with my math. math. I went to French immersion school and so they taught me math in French. So I've never been the same since. I'm sorry. So you'll have to help me this morning. Five plus five, cinq plus cinq is ten. Ten. Thank you. So the guy with five ends up with ten. Ten. He invests it. He manages it, and he doubles the money that the master gave to him. And likewise, he that received two also gained two. So help me out. Two plus two is four. 
So the guy with five has ten. And the guy with two has four. four. They both doubled what their master had given to them. Now listen, each one of them started out with five and two. And the Bible says that when the master did that, he gave it to them on their several ability. He looked at them and said, you have the ability to manage this much. So I'm only going to give you what you have the capacity to do. Right. Capacity speaks of the limitations. This bottle only has the capacity for a few ounces of a liquid. In this case, it's oil. And uh, so if I tried to pour into this jar a large gallon of oil, what would happen? Overflow. It would overflow. It would waste. You couldn't catch it or contain it or use it. The beauty of capacity is it gives you the ability to contain something that is valuable so that you can use it the way you intend to use it. I have now control over the product inside of the jar because the, the jar or the bottle is containing the valuable commodity on the inside. And that's what the Bible is referring to. Jesus is saying that the master looked at the servant and said, well, you have the capacity to manage five. But what's interesting and what's so different about us versus a stat, this bottle will never grow to hold more than what it was created to hold. But you, on the other hand, are not a glass bottle. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not a glass bottle. You're not a tin, tin container. You're not a cookie jar with a lid on it. And this is proved by this story because the guy who had five grew to be able to hold ten. The guy with two increased his capacity so that now he could not just hold two talents, but now he could hold four talents. Now this is very important because you get to the end of the story and you'll see why the master was so upset with the third guy. Verse 18, he that received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. So he took the talent that was given to him, he put it in a box, he contained it, and he put it in the ground. He dug a hole and he put that money in the ground so at least he would never be tempted to go to Tim Hortons and buy himself a donut with that money. At the very least, he wouldn't put it into a bad investment and lose half of it. So at the very least, the guy said, I don't, I don't have the confidence in myself to manage this money. Now, I find this interesting because the master had confidence in him. But what limited him was not the truth of his real capacity. It was the limits he had placed on himself. Right. Instead of viewing himself as a human being created in the image of God, able to expand and grow, he viewed himself as this tiny little bottle that could never grow, that could never unhold more than what he was designed. He would never get any better. He would never be able to handle more than what was given to him. And so in a fear of losing what was given, he hid what the master gave him. Verse 19 says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and reckoned with them. 
And he that received five talents came and brought the other five, saying, Lord, you delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained five talents more. And his Lord said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Even enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Listen to this. He started with five. He grew to ten. Now the Lord gives, makes him a ruler over many. many cities. Many things. Now he is being increased even more. Even in his victory. Even after he increased to 10, the Lord said, great, now that you've shown you can expand your, your capacity to hold 10, I'm going to get you to expand it even more. Now I want you to be ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. What is the joy of the Lord? What is the joy of the Lord? That you would expand your capacity to be able to hold and manage more things so God can entrust more things to you. The joy of the Lord is working with the Lord. The joy of the Lord is growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants you to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, but he doesn't want you to hold on to the gift of the Holy Ghost. God wants you to receive repentance and wants you to receive forgiveness, but he doesn't want you to hold on to it and contain it inside of you and hold it to yourself and bury it and hide it under a bushel. God wants you to spread that same thing that you have received to somebody else. The joy of the Lord is you taking what God has given you and multiplying it. God, the joy of the Lord is you working with God to expand your outreach and to expand your impact on the world around you. Then he that received two talents, the same thing happens. He gives his Lord four, and he says, Lord, I've, I've taken the two, and I've made two more. He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He says the same thing. You have been faithful over a few things. Now I will make thee ruler over many things. He expands him even more. But we come to that guy with the one talent. And he said, Lord, listen to what he says. I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strewed. And I was afraid. I was afraid. The thing that held him back wasn't a bad investment. The thing that held him back wasn't mismanaging of the resources God gave to him. But let me just put it in the context of, of maybe something that I struggle with and maybe you said. The, the thing that held him back wasn't if I pray for that person, will they really be healed? If I take the step to invite them and pray for them and talk to them about Jesus, they're going to reject me and tell me that they'll, they don't ever want to hear about Jesus again. The thing that held him back wasn't wasn't the failure to complete the job the master had given. The thing that held him back was fear. Fear is that phantom. It's that, that shrouded mist. You ever, you ever seen the cartoons uh, where, where the, the, there's the little guy standing next to the bonfire and the shadow that's cast up on the, on the rock or the wall behind him is so big and so great and, and uh, I'm having mic trouble today, that's okay. And the, the shadow behind him is so huge, so large, so expanding that, that his enemies are afraid, you know. He, he gets that, that, that fear thing because 
the, there's, but, but when the, the people get close to the light and they see who's the size of the thing that's actually casting the shadow, they're not afraid anymore. Right. Well, what is that all about? Because fear is something that can hold you back from the things that God has for you. I, I've heard it said this way, fear is the dark room where Satan develops your negatives. It's, it's the dark place where he brings to light the negative things he wants in your life. I've heard it said, too, that there's nothing to be afraid of except for fear itself. That it is just a big phantom. It's a, it's a, it's a big phobia. It's, it has no substance to it. That when brought into the light of truth, fear dissipates and you can face the reality of what it is. You're afraid of but the man with the one talent confessed I was afraid and so I took the one thing you gave me the one sum of money and I hid it in the earth and so here you go master I'm giving you back exactly what you gave to me listen to what the Lord says the Lord doesn't thank him and say thank you for protecting my money thank you for for making sure it was safe he said thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strewed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money into the exchangers. Then at my own coming I should have received mine own with usury. He said you should have taken it and put it in the bank. And even though it would have only been gaining 1.5 interest per annum, at least I'd have a few extra dollars to that sum of money. It would have been a wiser decision than for you to bury it in the ground and not use it. And the Bible says that he cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Bible tells us that he is given to man according to his several ability. He gave each person what they were able to use, and he expected them to increase that, that, that holding to something greater. The man with five talents saw his, his opportunity and increased what he was given to 10. The man with two saw his opportunity and increased what he had to four. But the man with one refused to see himself as a vital contributor to the cause because he was only given one talent. He was afraid that his part would be received because he didn't have the resources to accomplish the work that God wanted him to do. I submit to you this morning that God has given to us, the Bible says, the grace of God, the varied, multifaceted grace of God. He's given us gifts. He's given us abilities. He's given us each talents and passions and, and desires to be used, I believe, for the glory of God. Notice that the man who did not use what he was given, his biggest obstacle was fear. His biggest obstacle was that he was afraid that whatever he was given, he wouldn't use it wisely. He reasoned in himself. He said, he, said I, he called the man Lord, but I don't think he really served him as such. He looked at his master as someone who was hard to please. He, he looked at his master as someone who expected to get something from very little. 
He must have considered him to be oppressive and cruel. And his reasoning for not taking care of what was given to him was, was purely selfish. I just don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to fail in my service to my master. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of, uh, of messing it up. I'm afraid of, uh, of spending it unwisely. I'm afraid of investing it in the wrong way. And so because I'm afraid, I'm never even going to step out and do the thing that God has put in me to do. When we serve God, we've got to sometimes take a risk on our own self. We've got to sometimes put ourselves out there and, 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 and invest ourselves in something that we have no guarantee of how it's exactly going to turn out. The Bible says that if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt us. We demote or lower ourselves in our own estimation. And this is difficult for us to do because we're so accustomed to looking out for ourselves. And so God has to reteach us that, that it's not really about us. He didn't give us the gift of the Holy Ghost for us to feel peace all the time and for us to feel comfort and joy. But he gave us the gift of the Holy Ghost so that we could be witnesses, the Bible says. In fact, the whole reason for giving the, the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus tells his disciples, uh, it's not your place to know the times of the end, when the Father is going to work all things out and, and bring an end to all things of the earth. But it is for you to know that you are given the Holy Ghost as a power source to be a witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. God is saying, I'm giving you a gift so that you will turn around and use it to tell others about me. When we are humbled under the hand of God and we begin to take what he's put inside of us and we say goodbye to fear, we push past our anxieties, we push past our reservations, we push past the things that, that we feel are a resistance to us and we begin to invest what God has given us, we will see great things happen. What is it that God has invested in you? Take inventory. Maybe this is your first step. You know, we're talking about how, 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 do I, how do I know what God has called me to do? How do I know what God is asking me to do? First of all, take stock of where your gifts lie. What are the gifts that God has put in your hands? What are the resources God has entrusted to you? Is it the Holy Ghost? Has God given you the gift of the Holy Spirit? If so, then, then you can pray. You can witness. You can tell others about the miracle-working power of God in your life. You can become a testimony. And you might say, well, that, that sounds intimidating. That sounds, you know, terrifying. I read a story of a little girl who had leukemia, a very, very dangerous kind of cancer in her body. And uh, she had... She had been part of a revival service. She had been part of services at her church, and God really touched her and blessed her. And, and yet she still had this terrible cancer. She had this terrible disease. And while she was in the hospital getting treatment, she was so 
filled with the Holy Spirit in her life, that she would travel around from room to room and from people to people as she saw them there, and she would just go up to them and say, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Can I pray with you? Do you, do you have a need? Can I, can I pray with you? And uh, Jesus loves you. And they would say, well, yes. And they were so overwhelmed. This little girl would come up to her, come up to them and, and ask them if they had a need and reminding them that Jesus loves them. And, and they said, oh, yes, actually, you could pray for this. And so she'd just pray a simple prayer. God, would you please touch my friend? They need you. And I'm, I, want you to, I want them to know that you love them. And God used that little girl to pray for people in hospitals. And they would get miracles. They would receive healings from that. Uh, you can read about this story in the book Disasters That Heal by Lynn Jewett. She tells of this little girl who had so much faith that all she did was go up to someone and say, I want you to know Jesus loves you. Can I pray with you? And I thought to myself as I was, I was so encouraged by that. I thought, wow, a little girl overcoming the fear of talking to a complete stranger and just giving them a simple message. I compared myself to that little girl, and I found that, that often I, I would feel urged by God to pray with someone, and I'd feel intimidated. I'd feel afraid. Just like that servant with the one talent. I'd feel afraid. Well, what if I mess it up? What if I say something really stupid? What if I go up to them and, and, and like, I don't know, my pants fall down or something crazy? You know, like your brain just creates all these scenarios. What if, I, what if I go up to them and I stutter or stammer? What if I pray for them and they're not healed? Then, then what happens to their faith? Well, their, their faith is going to be totally shattered. They'll never come back to church. They'll never hear God again. And anybody that ever wants to pray for them ever again, they're going to just be so resistant to it because I prayed for them and they didn't get healed. I, I'm letting you into the dark, tumbled down recesses of where my brain goes sometimes, okay? And, and I, I don't know, you can probably hear, Pastor, that sounds ridiculous. Like, and I've, 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 you know, taken stock and gone, man, I'm putting a lot of ownership on me. I'm taking a lot of responsibility that God never asked me to take. Right. What did he tell me to do? Just lay hands on the sick and, pray. and they shall recover. Leave the healing part in the hand of God. Leave the faith part in the hand of God. Let, let God be the worker of the miracle. You be the one that reaches out and offers to pray. I was so proud of my wife because she came home yesterday and she was telling me about, she was listening to someone at her exercise class telling her about a need they were having and she just said, oh, I'm going to pray for you. That's all she said. Oh, I'm going to pray for you. What's your sister's name? And, and Steph said, the, the, as soon as she said that, as soon as I said that, the tears started welling up into her eyes. Because the fact that someone would reach out and say, I care about you, let me pray for you, was all that woman needed. Is, is the woman going to be healed? We're going to leave that in the hands of God. But if she is healed, you better believe she's going to know. Someone said, I'm going to pray for you. And that person will be open to hear, what am I talking about? I'm telling, taking Take the one talent that God has put in you. You may not feel like you have a lot. You may not feel like you, you have much to bring to the table. But what has God put in your hand? What has he gifted you with? What has he blessed you with? If, if he's blessed you with the grace of repentance, then repent 
and lead others to turn their life back to God. If he's blessed you with the gift of being able to sing, then sing unto the glory of God. What did we read in our verse here this morning? If God has given you the gift of speaking, then speak as though God was speaking through you. If God has given you the ability of being able to see other people in need and care about that need, then care for them as if God was using you to care for that person. What are we talking about? We're talking about getting out of ourselves and increasing our capacity. Every time one of the servants took what the master had given to them, every time one of the servants took that five talents or two talents and reinvested that money and doubled it, they increased their capacity. May I submit to you this morning that every time you take a gift that God has given to you, whatever it is, whether it's faith, whether it's prayer, whether it's 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 some kind of, maybe it's art, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, what kind of talents has God placed in your life? What kind of abilities has God given to you? Are you using them for the glory of God? Or are you finding excuses to bury them in the sand? Do you know that when Jesus started with his 12 disciples, the Bible kind of outlines for us his collection of the 12. Did Jesus wait for five years before he released them to do ministry? The best we can tell is that Jesus waited six months and then he sent them out two by two to go heal and preach the gospel. That kind of turnaround, I don't know if we do that very often in the church. But that's the mission that God has called us to do. This church is going to be successful because we are going to encourage people to love God and love others. And that we are going to grow and increase our capacity. How do I increase my capacity so I can hold more? I take what God has given me and I put that thing into the lives of others. And when I take what God has given me and I begin to use it, and I begin to use it not for myself, not for my needs or my wants or my desires, but I begin to use that gift for somebody else, God will take that gift and increase it. And it will grow. And he said, when you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you faithful over many things. Today's the last Sunday we're putting out the, the, the sign-up sheets at the back. This is the last Sunday. You'll still be able to sign up for, for, for ministry teams after today. Don't worry. We, we will always keep those doors open. Have no fear. Uh, but I encourage you today, look at those teams and say, God, is there a gift you have put inside of me. Is there something you've given me that you want me to give to others? Is there something you've blessed me with so I can be a blessing to other people? Is there, is there a way that you want me to live so that I am investing in others and increasing my capacity? Can we stand this morning? I wonder if you take some time to pray with me. We're going to play a little bit of music. And I want us to take some time to pray and talk to God. Maybe you, you know exactly what your giftings are. You know exactly where God, what God has given you, what he has put inside of you, what he's blessed you with. But I want you to ask, if you don't know, if you're like, God, I'm really drawn a blank. I don't even know what I'm good at. I don't know what I can contribute to your kingdom. 
that I want you to pray this prayer. God, help me to see what's in my hand. Help me to see what I can do for your kingdom. Would you pray and surrender yourself to the Lord this morning? You can join us around this altar. You can pray in your chair, wherever you feel comfortable. But, but let's talk to the Lord this morning and yield ourselves to him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, we love you today. Hallelujah, God. We surrender ourselves to you.